FMX Network Production. You cast me, complete me till death do us part. What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp MX Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmx.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Filthy Phil Nicoletti phone call, and things are just, the, the plane has hit the mountain. Do you feel like you could beat me at Western? I don't jump all the jumps, so. Then, yeah, I'll beat you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess he lies back. I mean, at least half the day. They screwed up. Fix the leap. We want to see the guys jump the leap. All of those guys, they, they have something that I really don't have is more, a little bit more talent. I like Chick-fil-A and Booty too much. I like Koi. <laughs> so do I. I wouldn't go as far as calling them great, but yeah, I like Koi. <laughs> <laughs> you think I don't get paid a lot? I just, you know, slip out of here under the radar. See yeah. you guys. See you next weekend. You can carwheel over the bars, get up, and you're totally fine. And right. the dumbest, dumbest little thing just takes you down. Uh, I could give a shit about fantasy, but yeah, know, Mr. Scott's look, I really like him, or else I would have breached his contract a while ago. So I'm about to say, fuck it, man. I was already regretting 8.30 tonight after you texted me. I'm like, fuck. You know? I could care less about the Nationals anymore now. You got to pay the toll to rock and roll, and that's what the fuck happened. So, because Nick's cleaned me the fuck out of Montreal Supercross so bad, you know, stroking our balls off out in the heat. I'm like, yeah, we checked the fucking mailbox, dude. He took me out of the being a bitch factor for sure racer x thank you about time being an racer x employee paid off all i know is phil nicoletti's numbers were nowhere fucking close anyway <laughs> well phil you also didn't win races no offense but... oh but fuck me man at least you know, knock a zero off there i'm still not close yeah great <laughs> motorsport.com toll train was doing an rmz so how bad could it be um <laughs> Can you just not play mad skills during the show? That I cannot agree okay. to. Yeah. No. Well, when you come to Western and I work you on my <laughs> blue crew, you're going to be very, very sad. Dude, it's not a good look to be zooming up in my double chin face. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not good at jumping. What's up, everybody? Just real quick before this thing kicks off, I want to apologize for any audio issues. Uh, Greg was traveling. He was driving through Oklahoma and you know just had a little bit of a signal issue. And we had some Bluetooth speakerphone type issues. But I think we got sorted out once the show got going a little bit. Just bear with it. And, uh, yeah, sorry about it. And, yes, I called it episode 270 multiple times. It's 470. Fuck my life. Welcome back to another episode of the Pulp and Books Wrap-Up Show. As always, I'm your host, Darkside, from the Moto X Pod Show. Before I introduce my co-host, we picked a winner of the DCMX Toolbox from the last episode. We got a bunch of emails. We drew a name. And, Cody Vance, you're the lucky winner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for entering. And if you guys remember, there was a little bit of a contest going on between my co-hosts from the last couple episodes of which show was better i picked an unbiased listener to, to listen to both those shows pick a winner 
And, uh, hey, Triple J, Nick Still, sorry, guys, you lost. Toolman Dan, Trent Marr are the winners. I know uh, I know. Nick and Triple are crying right now, but that's the way it is. Congrats to Trent and Dan. Well, let's get to tonight's episode, to my new my co-host for this week. Um, both are first-timers. First up, brought to you by Guts Racing from the Moto Coaching or from GameMotoCoaching.com, Mr. Greg Albertson. What's up, Greg? Oh, I'm brought to you by Andy Greg, which is probably my favorite sponsor. Uh, nice. Not a whole lot, dude. Just sweat. Uh, my dozer doesn't have AC, so I'm just I'm <laughs> marred and sweated up, and I'm just I'm, I'm in the AC. You gave me an excuse to take a break, so let's awesome. Do this. Yeah, you're you're at the. Uh, we're going to talk about the. I think your training facility a little bit later in the show. It got I got a little mention. If I believe I believe it's the same place. Where Phil was uh, talking about running to check the mail. Yeah, yeah, that was that was part of that crew. That was that was good. He got the story a little off in my how I remember it, but we'll get to that. Yeah, we're gonna get to that. Uh, also, next brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires, a guy who was recently in studio and recently in some of the Mathis Nets, Logan Carnow. How's it going, dude? It's about damn time you had me on here. Hey, man, I, I didn't know that you would do it. I guess I, I need to reach out to more people because I just think that you guys don't probably wouldn't want to do it. And then people all the time are like, yeah, let's do it. I'm surprised. No, dude, absolutely. I'm, I'm freaking hyped to be on here. I appreciate it. Well, like, pe- we've been buddies for so long. i kind of pissed I haven't even gotten the invite yet. Well, you're, you're on now, and I, I got you on before Cheyenne. He'll be on next week. So I picked you first. Yeah, that's how it should be. <laughs> All right. Well, this week, man, it's uh, it's show 270 with one of Steve's old enemies, but now a new friend, Davey Millsap, Millsap's in studio. And Steve also had my lineup from last week with Dylan Ferrandis and Carson Mumford. Uh, yeah, so, man, I, Steve, you know, he's always following the leader, but that's all right. And then we had the filthy, filthy Nicoletti check-in from motorsport.com. Uh, Greg, give me your general thoughts on this episode. Uh, I think Davey's fantastic. He needs to do this more often. I really enjoyed it. But what did you think? Yeah, I thought the episode was good. I, I just recently started listening again to all the episodes. I, I, now that I'm in the dozer in the summertime, I'm listening to all this stuff. I just got burned out of my machinery all the time, so podcasts are doing it for me. Um, uh, yeah, it was good. It's just I like how he goes from having a show um, like the one with Carnell and, and Hart. I mean, it's a good variety right now, so uh, it was pretty. Um, I love the race. The pretty dude um, wasn't always that way to the media, but like anybody that talked to Davy in person, he's just always been real as can be, and I, I, he really came across that way. It's 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 cool to see these retired guys because they open up more and more as the years go by, and I, I really enjoy the episodes with the, the not they so recently. Um, you know, ex-racers, retired racers, but, you know, you get four, five, six, seven years retired, those, those guys really start showing their true colors, and I like it. Yeah, and he talked about a lot of things that, you know, maybe he probably wouldn't have talked about, if, you know, six, seven years ago. So, yeah, we're going to get into a lot of that. Logan, uh, how about you, man? Did you enjoy the episode? Yeah, I thought it was really good, actually. Like, I, I really like the second time in studio, I think, right? And, uh, yep. yeah, he's just, I think he's just a really, really, like, smart guy, like, there was very few things that he said that I didn't agree with. Um, yeah, just super smart guy. And then, like, Ferrandis and the Mumford and Nicoletti, like, I feel like all their interviews were, were all really, really good. Like, I really like Ferrandis' interview, actually. Like, I feel like he was kind of opened up, and yep. he, was just, he was just real. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. We're definitely going to get to him in just a minute. Um, real quick, did you guys feel like there was, a, like, a running theme for this week, something that just – maybe kept going that you th- throughout the show, there were some things that were t- 
talked about. Uh, Logan, anything that stood out that just was like all night long? Uh, asking no steps about how much money he made. Good. Yeah. That. yeah I, that, all right. So here we go. How much money do you think Millsaps has in the what? bank, Jonathan? What? Told you. Dude, Davey made so much money. And good for you. You should. You deserve it. Phil, you know? when he says he took a pay cut, like, I'm in my mind, like, uh, he's still making $400,000 a year. Ha. Hey, never I, mind Davey JGR I, oh, money. What about go. Davey Honda money? Davey Suzuki oh, no. money? Shit. Dude, crushing it, right? Davey's a multi-millionaire. You dude. guys are idiots. Did you ever make more than $2 million a year? I don't know. You don't know. Shut up. <laughs> He's so full of shit. Still, so, I mean, Millsaps I mean, absolutely crushed him. And, and, and good for him. Finance. Everyone's throwing yeah. cash at you. Dylan, if you should have been racing here when Millsaps was, <laughs> like, these guys were making so much money. God, you and your money. What Davey was making really good money <laughs> as a 450 rider. That's all I'm going to say because I know what Tim Ferry was making and uh, you were probably making more. Millsaps in his Honda days is pulling at 1.5. Do you agree or not? Total, I would say, yeah, all day. Right. Okay. Thank you. Because you have so while. much money, you keep adding to it. Dark side, <laughs> don't talk. Ahead. Don't talk about money. Millsaps gets mad about that. No, well, I mean, my, I'm I'm open with my contract. Can you say how much you are still making as an amateur? <laughs> how much was I making as enough? Well, Greg, uh, yeah. So Steve seems to really enjoy this topic. He brings it up in a lot of shows, right? About. Uh, whether it be J Mart or Will Hahn, but just millionaires, millionaires. I, it's it's a running joke. It's fun, but I I feel like with some of the guys like Davey, especially he he doesn't. It's a little uncomfortable for him. Yeah, which is I, I don't know. I I don't I don't necessarily understand that so much, just because it's he's so far disconnected. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know why guys are more open about it. It'd be it'd be good to know, and you know, people in the know. I mean, when you work for factory riders like that, I mean, I was around Trey and. You know, in those, in those days you got a good idea what those guys are making and i don't i don't think it's they're not i don't think they're overpaid i don't think they're underpaid i think it's it's definitely just right for what the company's getting out of them so uh, for, for him to be so closed off about that that one topic i feel like he's pretty open about everything else um I, I just i don't quite understand it yeah some people are just weird about talking about money uh logan did you do you find it though like when somebody like davy's on and they're or will or whoever whoever they like to deny that they're millionaires or making a lot of money it's still as as entertainment side the entertainment side of the show, like I'm laughing because it's funny when people are uncomfortable. Yeah, I love how how Steve kind of just messes with them over that. Um, I agree with Greg. I don't I don't know why it's such a big secret. I mean, I mean, especially for Davey, like he's he's been out of the industry for so long now. Like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I make pocket change compared to them, but it's never <laughs> been something I've ever been scared to tell anybody. Like. Like, I mean, for, like, say, a 10th place in the main event, with all my contingency and everything, like, I don't really care if anybody knows how much I make. Like, I don't know why it's such a big secret. Like, I mean, every other sport, everybody knows exactly what everybody's making. So, like, why not motocross or supercross? Yeah, supercross, our sport is, uh, it's definitely very secretive about a lot of things. All right, we, uh, Greg, we got you off the the AirPods. What were you saying about that? No, I, I mean, I do understand because with the race team, we wrote contracts. I, You know, my brother had signed co- contracts that I've been in on. But it does – there is, like, non-disclosure. It says, you know, you're not allowed to talk about contract details. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I do get it. That's, but I, I, I do – I mean, good on him for, for being, you know, for, for not disclosing that stuff, you know, <laughs> 15 years later. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it, it does it, – it is written in those contracts that you're not supposed to disclose the details. So, um you just holding true to that, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. At least it's it's fun listening to the, the, the conversation back and forth. 
Uh, last time Davey was on, he talked a lot about mental health, Logan, which re- it's been a reoccurring co- uh, topic lately with a lot of the riders. It's something that people used to be maybe kind of taboo to talk about. Now they're, they're starting to open up about it. I found it really interesting that, you know, like I said, last time he talked about it some, and now he's kind of saying that he's coaching that's really helping him. Like, you know, it helps him deal with it. Uh, it's, it's just, and it's funny. Some of the people on YouTube were kind of laughing cause they're like, it's ironic that a guy that really kind of admits that he didn't train enough necessarily once he went pro is now a trainer, but I loved what he had to say. Logan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, I mean, I think mental health is extremely important in sport. Like, like this year, I feel like it was the most confidence I've ever had. And like, obviously it really showed my results. I mean, like you, you come off a few good races and I mean, shoot, that does a, that does a lot for you right there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, you know, he kind of, at the beginning of the show, Steve asked him about being back on a bike and there was, there was some mental health sort of talk and let's listen to it. How do you, how do you feel? Like, how did it feel? Get back on a dirt bike? Like, it, okay. I know everyone talks about how, you know, riding dirt bike is so much fun. It is, it's the best thing ever. You feel like a kid again, this right, and that. And, right, and granted, right. it, it's fun. Yeah, it, it is fun, but yet it's also depressing when you were as you yes. know like when i was uh-huh. as fast as i was yeah. and as sharp as i was yep. to then go out and ride and and like yeah it's like dude i suck now the arm know? pump arm pump oh, yeah so bad right. arm pump my hands were my hands were going numb um yeah. i just wasn't as sharp and I, that and i didn't obviously have like the best equipment should i say so to right. me i'm so used to having that and and it was still fun i got to ride with dane which yeah. was really cool yeah. he loved it uh but for me it was I think depressing because I I know where I can't be if I keep writing. So I think this is a really cool topic with you two on here, uh, Greg, because we got Logan, who's a young to me a young kid, right? He's a privateer, kind of probably not thinking about what it's going to be like in ten years from now. And then we've got you, who you know your brother raced. He dealt with some of these things. Uh, I mean, you race obviously, but like we can, I can get both sides of this. So I'm going to start with you, Greg. I don't think a lot of these riders think about what it's going to be like at the end of their career, what they're going to have to deal with, not getting to be in the limelight, not racing, you had to find a real job or whatever, all the things that go into life after racing. It kind of feels like it should be something that's talked about within the teams or within their circle at a young age. Yeah. um, My, my thoughts on that are what these guys go through is, when you're the racer, I mean, you're the fucking show. Like it's, and it's not, it's not because you race supercross. It's not because it could be at an amateur level. It doesn't matter. You don't even got to be the guy, you know, but there's a whole crew there for you. There, there, it starts from a young age. There's mom, dad, in my case, brother, there's somebody wrenching on your bikes. There's whatever it is. Everybody's common goal is your common goal. All right. Apologize for some of those technical difficulties. I think we got it worked out. Uh, Greg Albertson, you were saying, yeah, so like you, I mean, everybody's goal is is your goal. You know, your goal is to win races, and everybody wants to to facilitate that the best they can from everybody in your corner, wife, kids, girlfriend, whatever, um, brother, everybody. So, um, I think the biggest thing is that you don't get that on your day to day. You retire, and 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 you gotta you can't cause you can't be selfish anymore. And, and people don't we can't really put up with the selfishness. They don't really it. I think to them it seems like they care less. When the racing goal is gone, then it's just like, are you just you're just one of us? You're just another person. I mean, as a racer, it's cool because you constantly 
you, everything you do is for yourself. Like you get to go to the gym every like, Oh, we, we have to go to the gym. Well, you get to go to the gym. That time you put in is going towards your well being. you know? Yeah. It's not like, it's not like somebody else punching the clock where they're working for somebody else and they're growing somebody else's business. And in the meantime, they're working themselves to death and taking a 15 minute lunch at McDonald's. Like now you're back in the real world where nobody cares about that. Like the stuff they got, you go get a job. You, you are working for somebody else. You're not working on your dreams and your goals necessarily. Some people get lucky enough to get in that position, but it's not always the case. Yeah. That's a really good point. You say that. And Logan, I'm going to get to you in just a second. Um, I love the fact that we get to hear about this stuff on the Pulp Mech show because this isn't really covered a lot of time in the magazine. So it's really great that we get this. And then what you just said reminded me of, sorry, Steve, but when I had Dylan Ferrandis on my show a couple of weeks ago, I asked him just like, Hey, you know, at the end of the show, I was like, well, what do you got? What do you and Nastasia do for fun? You know, on, on some downtime in the week. And he's like, there, I don't have time for that. Like my wife gets mad. She wants to go do things and I'm here to work. I'm here to, you know, win championships. And that's the only focus. And it, basically it's not very fair to her, but that's the way it is right now. So yeah, that transition afterwards, and we've heard writers say like, I come home during the week and you know, I got to take the trash out and, you know, or, or we hear that from actors or, or musicians, bands get off the road and like, well, you know, I get home and I'm just a regular guy. That's probably a pretty tough position when you've been catered to your whole career or whatever. So that's, yeah, it's a really interesting thought. Um, Logan, you're in a different position. You're, you're young. You're probably not thinking about what it's going to be like after racing, but you're also not in the position where you have all your meet needs met by a team necessarily. Yeah. But when you hear him talk about, I'm not as good as I used to be. I'm not able to go as fast. You know, those things like kind of, I suck now. Uh, I assume you don't even think about that yet. No, it, yeah, it's kind of a hard question for me, but I mean, he, he's been off the bike for shit, how long now? Like, I mean, you're going to lose a little bit, obviously sure. all your fitness and I mean, probably some speed as well, obviously, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it'll be different for me. Cause obviously I, I haven't been on a factory team ever. I've never, I mean, obviously I'm on a good team now, but yeah. it's not to the, to the, to the level of like a factory team to where like freaking, I get all my meals cooked for me and like all the little stuff like that like i mean i do all that stuff so i feel like it'll be easier for me because i'm i mean shoot i mean i already do everything so but still <laughs> life after be, racing life after racing finding a career what you're gonna do it's still not like it's it's probably gonna be a difficult transition like ben lemay a few years ago you know was you know delivering monster i think you know and like that's that's just something that these riders probably don't think at at a young age and I, I really enjoyed hearing Davey talk about it a little bit. I thought it was great. Um, hey, Seal Savers, since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection of the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on Seal Savers, making installation a breeze. Check out their full line of moto products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection, and enter code, code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Staying with a possible mental uh, mental health topic, look, the question is, is Eli back? Um, Steve asked Davey if he's over ever been f- so god-awful in one moto and then great in another. Have you been where Eli's been with just god-awful finishes and then all of a sudden you can win? What changes or what happens to a rider to just, you know... I mean, his Colorado, at his place, you know, that he's dominated before, he was so bad, Davey. 
So he's back. Like, he looks as good as ever. Like, maybe not, no, not as good as ever, but he looks good. I mean, that's honestly a good question if you think about it. Uh, well, um, that's why I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, and you're the ex rider. Uh, you know, it, it's, you know, it could be all mental. Yep. You know, going back here, like, I feel good here. I know I can win here. And between motos, even if it's between motos or whatever it is, it's like, okay, I know I can win. Boom. But for for him, like, he still doesn't look like the Eli that, you know, yeah. we've all seen outdoors. So Eli still doesn't look like the Eli that won three years in a row. I don't think that Eli's so, around anymore. Yeah, I guess Eli's back. I mean, at least <laughs> half the day. <laughs> nice little jab from Davey there, Greg. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this either where – I mean, look, Eli has been somewhat of a mental head case, we've said for years, with different things he does. But this is very unusual. Um, what do you think about it? That's a tough one. Yeah, no I, kidding. I, I hate to even lead with that. Like, like, and I really don't have much of an answer. I do think that uh, when you have, uh, I would say his writing style is a little more unorthodox. It's not something I would teach. Um I think you, you, you don't run into, you, you run into consistency problems. I think when you ride like Ken Roxon rides or like Chase Sexton rides, um, your consistency, it's, it's easier to get the consistency you want out of the motorcycle. It's easier to get it. I mean, cause you're riding the bike and in a more powerful, proper way. I, I, that's what I think. That's the only thing. And I don't know that that's true because then he's gone on and, and rattled off win after win after win. Um, so I, I don't know that that's it, but I mean, that's the only thing I can allude it to. And then just, you know, effort you know uh, how how bad you know does do you want it this year compared to other years um, mm-hmm. so those two things you know how i mean how extra is you know you you got to be extra to win you got to be obsessed to win and how how obsessed is he right now with what's going on in his life um people have brought up you know i, I don't know anything about eli honestly i mean well what i know about eli is what i hear from steve on the pulp show i mean that he's, if I've heard he's had a baby, it's because I've, you know, because Steve said it. It's because yeah. I've heard he's got married or whatever. It's because Steve said it. So, um, I don't know him personally, but but based off of listening to the Pulp MX show, um, I can I can only think of those those three reasons. Well, Logan, I'm gonna say I'm about ninety nine percent sure it's not that Kawasaki took parts away. I'm pretty sure on that. Um, I'm yeah, pretty, I'm say it's not that. yeah, I'm pretty sure it's that it's not that he doesn't want to win for Kawasaki or himself right now. He's thinking about Yamaha. I just don't feel like that's, I don't believe that after talking to him in the press conference. Uh, I just think, I, 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 I don't think there is an answer. I don't think, you know, there's any one reason, but what are your thoughts on it? I was just going to say that. Like, literally, I have absolutely no idea. Like, it, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you could say maybe his style suits, you know, some tracks better than others, but, I mean, you really can't say that because at high point, he went, what, eight? or nine or seventh or something like that and then dominated the yeah, second motor yeah. like i have no idea dude it's pretty ridiculous i don't know if we've ever seen a rider go from you know barely a top 10 guy to a moto win and <laughs> yeah. just how, like, how, how that old dominant, like, like oh geez um how old is he i yeah, think 27 yeah, i was gonna say 27 but I, i'm not positive well, if you look at the past and how many riders have been like that dominant and what it's taken probably to be that dominant, if you're talking about Dungey, Villapoto, um, you go back before that um, to RC or James or any of those guys, that's the shelf life of going that fast. Yep. Yeah. In the past, that's been yeah. the shelf life. That's, that's it. That's all they have. They said, fuck it. That's all I got. I cannot do that anymore because it's that insane. So he's, he, if we look at what's gone on in the past, 
I mean, if he rides for another year or two, he's going to be the oldest guy that's been that dominant to try to go to that age, hands down. Right, yeah, good point. I really do think it's a little bit of everything, right? I think it's a little bit of that. I think it's a little bit of just like in general, as, as you get older, the you know, the body starts changing. I think some of the other guys have clearly gotten better. Yeah, There's probably, there is family stuff. He probably is, you know, dealing with kids at night now and babies and a wife maybe that's, not always happy, you know, who knows, you know, we know how life goes. So there's probably a million factors that all factor in. And then there's probably just a little bit of who the fuck knows. So, yeah, I mean, how, how long can you carry that though? Like how long can you carry that, that mindset? Because from a physiological standpoint, like your body at 28, I mean, you're in your prime, like you're, you're, he's in, he's going to be in better shape than he's ever been in his life. Mm. Um, he's got all that base. He's, you know, he's stronger than ever. Like I, I don't, uh, it, it's gotta be, I don't, I don't buy it from a physiological standpoint. Yeah. And we'll probably never know. It'd be interesting to see next year once he moves over to Yamaha, if it, the trend continues, if it gets better, if it gets worse, but I think Eli is going to be a topic of conversation for at least a couple more years. Um, we got an early race tech rant on this episode Monday night. It came early, uh, use Pope code 21 to save at race tech. And I believe, I feel like this race tech is not necessarily unanimous opinion, but it was a pretty high opinion this week. I don't know what was going on with the corner before it. I don't know no. what was going on with the third jump. I don't know what was happening, but like 10 guys probably jumped it more than three times all day. When you go to Redbud, you want to see the leap jumped. That's, that's what they go there for. Hands right. down. I'm perfectly fine with the leap being like three quarters of the 450 guys are jumping it and like Six or eight of the 250 guys are jumping it. That's where I'm at with the leap. But, dude, this year was ridiculous. The guys are casing it. It was. They have all the other jumps on the track that they can watch them scrub. No one wants to watch anyone scrub the leap. I've jumped. I've gone 2-1 up the leap. It is the easiest thing ever. (laughs) You could do it in first gear. Yeah. Nobody wants to see the guys do it in first gear and then launch off the third one. So you got a bad corner. You got a bad run. The third one was big. And so it's like you got the ultimate two things that that are going to make that tough they screwed up fix the leap we want to see the guys jump the leap but the spectators are all right there waiting for you to do it and when the factory guys with their bikes can't make it right you You, know something something is wrong uh yeah so the leap at redbud this weekend not the typical leap uh steve wasn't happy about it we're so some there's a few people that seem to like it just a, a couple people i saw on social media uh logan the leap has to be jumpable by 15% of the field, I think. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, that thing was absolutely gnarly. Like, there was only what? I mean, was there even any 250 guys doing it in the motos at all? I don't think even one. Like, I yeah, mean, I they have so. those, those no. grandstands there and everything for a reason, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, they, I think the corner was just. The corner was just pretty fucked up. I think it was just kind of a one-line inside deep choppy rut coming out and made it really hard to do that. I think ideally they wanted the 250 to be able to go outside and do it. But, dude, how about Josh Verizzi? Yeah, I saw a video of Josh Verizzi doing it on his, on his privateer 250. Like, what? Yeah, that's that's really badass for him, dude. I, I think that's really impressive. But, yeah. But, yeah, it's. I mean, look. Greg, you may have a different opinion. I don't know. But it, it is a show. People pay to come see this you know, the, the awesomeness of the leap or different, you know, different um, obstacles at different tracks or whatever. I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I think it, I think Steve's right. Yeah. Me too. Um, especially for me, like 
being so into the racing right now, um, it's really cool to see like the inside outside option to where, you know, you have to make that choice and you leave the, you, you risk leaving the door open for somebody to go to the outside. that's going to jump it, but that was out the window in the 250 class. You saw it a little bit in the 450 class. Um, so it kind of brought that same 250 feel to the 450 class. That's all I really feel like it did. I didn't think it was as bad as everybody said, because it, it still brought that feel that we usually get from the 250 class. We just brought it to the 450 class and that is a premier class, but for me, as uh, to, to take myself back and remember going to am, or pro nationals as a kid or as a spectator, and these fans, man, lift that thing up and let those dudes throw whips. And you know, <laughs> I, honestly, like I mean, I was so amped to go to Millville and watch Carmichael, like you know, jump, jump the chatapult and do a no foot can. Like that was yeah. my weekend. You know what I mean? So sure. Um, there, there is there's more to racing for the fans, but from a racing standpoint, I would just think what we usually see in the 250 class, it just brought it to the 450 class. Yeah, but I think Steve's right. They screwed up. It, it you know, it, nobody, as they said, nobody wants to see you scrub the leap. It, it's, it was a little bit of a letdown, but the racing was pretty fucking good. So I, I think we'll let it go this time. Um, do you think they meant to do that though? I don't think, they I meant don't to think do so. It. No, I, I mean, just, I, I prep the track every day and yeah. the deeper you rip it and you keep turning it over and you're like, that's sick. And you just keep pounding water on it. You're thinking, Oh, it's so sick. And then before it's not like you're watering hard packed anymore before you realize it you've dug it so deep and you don't even know how much water you put down because it looks fine on top oh yeah and then you drive the tractor back over in the morning you're like oh shit Oops. i went a little overboard <laughs> so i don't think i don't think it was by design they did that i think it no was just an accident no and i think again kind of like the eli thing i think it was a couple different factors like steve talked about the the landing being built up a little too big this year you know maybe the face wasn't quite right and then the the corner was not perfect and yeah, just all it all worked out where it it wasn't really jumpable, and I bet that won't happen again. So it'd be, you know, it just made for a different, a little bit of a different type of racing. It was a little more strategy. Only a few guys were jumping it and making it, but then you had to go so far outside to jump it that it. I don't know that it made a huge, huge difference. Like you know, during the race, we just like, oh, he's going for it. He makes up a little bit of time. Like Dylan would make up a little bit of time or whatever when Kenny shorted it, but it wasn't so significant that it ruined the racing. No, I agree. You go outside in that corner before the, before the leap, you're going to lose what, at least a, at least a second and then maybe gain 1.2 seconds. Like it, it was so minimal, minimal, I feel like. Yeah. But uh, let me ask you this. So I, I love the race tech rant 99% of the time. Logan, as a fan of the show, do you have a favorite segment, uh, whether it be, Future headlines, which is only when JT's on, or expert tear offs. I like asking people this because there really is for me only one right answer. It's the, the race tech rant. But what are your thoughts? Uh yeah, I'd say the race tech rant. Good. I think it's funny watching Steve getting super fired up, especially <laughs> the one that we were on, like the whole carrot ear fucker thing. Oh my god, that thing. dude! Jeez. Me and Cheyenne. I mean, me and Cheyenne were like at that point about seven, eight white claws deep already. And yeah. We were fucking losing our minds. Yeah, and I think that was the first night, maybe the second night, they used my stupid intro. And uh, yeah. Oh yeah, Jeez. first night for sure. Uh, yeah. I'd, anyway, Greg, do you <laughs> do you care about the segments, or is it just as a whole you like the, you enjoy the show? Uh, the tear offs are good. Um, I mean, just it's all depends on the guests and the questions. Yeah. Um, but cons- consistently, the rants probably the best. But. Um, sometimes I feel like the rant sometimes goes, it, it's like over exaggerated and kind of theatrical at times. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. A little too, uh, too much for my liking. Okay. Um, but, but for the most part, consistently the, the rants probably is the best uh, segment for me too. All right. I'll let you guys stay on the wrap up show then since you both agree with me. Um, going back to Davey and his training riders, 
Steve wants A-Ray back on that program. Can we get back with him? Like, well, what are we doing, Millsaps? He's in a deep, dark place where he now he's coming back to you? <laughs> I think that he sees that I'm in California all the time now. Yeah. He did well with my program. Yeah. But he's kind of gone off the beaten path a little bit as far as not for his training or his writing. You know, he has a good writing coach. Everything, like, fine, great. But... Like his training, his eating, yeah, yeah. him oh. loving like the limelight kind of thing. I get that he has to do it, yeah. But okay, it's time to buckle down for a little bit, and then do still do that, but buckle down a little bit to get back into where you were at, right? So you have more help. All the bike rides he can suffer, and having that a part of the program, like when I'm not there, yeah, because I'm not going to be there every single day, right? So having him there to where it's like, guys, like come on, like we've been here, I've done that, like let's, let's go, do it, right? You know right, that right. that type of a leader. All of those guys, they like, they have something that I really don't have is more a little bit more talent. <laughs> hey Ray, so they have a little more talent than me, Logan. I, I like this because I love A. Ray. Uh, he's become a buddy. I, I, But he was definitely doing better when he was on the Davey program. So I'm pretty stoked that he's coming back. I think he needs it. And I think Davey made a good point, Logan. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think A. Ray was working with him when he was on Factory Yamaha, right? Yep. For the yep. outdoors? Uh, yep. Leading up yeah, to he, that, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he crushed it that year and definitely lost some weight too. So, yeah, you said he's going to start helping him out again? That's what it sounds like, yeah. He said, you know, he's working on some things. Avery said he's working on some things and going to be coming back to Davey. And that's what Davey was saying, Greg, is that also he'd be a good, kind of a good mentor, good guy to work with Carson and Derek, you know, when Greg can't, or when um, Davey can't be there, which using A-Ray as a mentor, a role model is almost scary. But I but I think Davey is probably right that in that situation that A-Ray would probably probably be pretty good. I don't think he so much meant yeah, it. Yeah, from my I take agree. wasn't. Let, oh, sorry. Um, I, I was just thinking. I don't think Davey took it like when I'm not here, you train him no. um, by any means. I just meant. Um, I think all, all he he was talking about is in the gym. Like you, you do like that. You, you, you. Everything's built and everything's nothing's ever lost. So he's got that base training done. Um, so he probably yeah, and he's an older man. So his muscle base and all that stuff is going to be bigger so he, he can you know probably put up more probably push harder on the bicycle um right now at, at the stage in these young guys career so he would be you know on the track um they, they could use each other in, in opposite ways um for, for a ray to have somebody to chase you know you know he might be on the slower end compared to those dudes um on, on the track but then in the gym he might be a little bit stronger maybe a little bit better on the pedal bike so um they, they could work that both ways yeah, they, he's kind of been through it already, you know, a couple of years ago where he did push through those things that Davey was talking about and, and at least could be somebody like a, like I said, a, a role model almost that somebody has experienced push through this. It's going to get better. It's going to get easier. So, I, yeah, I think, I don't know. We'll see how, how it goes. I feel like A-Ray was kind of alluding to he had some financial things to take care of maybe to get, yeah. to get Davey back, but Davey said he was going to give him a little bit of a price break. So, Man, we'll see. It'd be good to see A Ray get back in shape, and as he said, I think what was it? I, I like Chick Fil A and booty too much. So, yeah. Do you think it's a physical problem, Logan? Do you think it's a physical problem with 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 A Ray? Do you think it's it's his fitness is the problem? Does anybody think, I think fitness it's a lot, is the problem? I think it's a lot of DNF. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think there's I think, multiple issues with A Ray. Fitness might be part of it, but uh, he's hard on bikes, and I don't think that's fitness. Yeah, I think yeah. That's just, I, I think he could benefit both oh, from, sure. from a riding coach. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that 
I feel like he works with somebody right now, but I don't remember who. But maybe it's not the right person. I don't know. Was it Buddy Antonez or no? I think he was working with Bud, man. I don't know if he still is. I'm not positive, but I think you're right. Yeah, I, I actually, I do think he is still working with Buddy. Yep. But, but you know, yeah. some things, Greg, I mean, I'm, you've, I'm sure you work with guys that are, let's say, okay, like we all talk about A-Ray being hard on the clutch, but there's probably some guys that you could teach and teach and coach and coach, and they just don't pick it up. Uh, yeah, uh for the most, on that stuff with the professional athletes like that, I think if it's hard, I mean, he knows where that clutch is. You can get him off of it, I promise. It's yeah. Neat, neat. And friction causes heat. And clutches, that's going to blow your motors. You know, I mean, just being a, I don't know. I, I think, I think I, I, he's a, his effort, I never question his effort. I think that, that kid would be extremely dangerous in a good way. Um, as far as speed goes, if, if he took the time to, to tone down the speed, and, and Steve's alluded to this, too, to just slow down to go fast, but not slow down at the race to go fast, you know, put in some actual time, you know, learning to ride the bike, right. Get, get, break it back down to the, 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 the basics, the, the simplest things. I think he would really, and like I said, Steve's, Steve's talked on this before. So I, uh, I think, man, A-Ray would be extremely, he'd be in a great place with fitness and, and a little bit of finesse. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, okay. So I was going to do my guts read right here but uh greg at the beginning of the show you talked about andy greg um why do you choose guts racing okay so andy um with the race team like we dealt with a lot of sponsors and we're busy and i know how busy these guys are and i i'm blown away with the customer service on andy you pick up the phone i text the guy i mean i get a text back within 30 seconds like it's unbelievable to me how quick you get your product out and how many people they're dealing with and how the like the quality and the the, the amount of factory teams they're racing with, like the amount of product we were able to get and the amount of testing we were able to have is like a, a Suzuki. Suzuki. We were a satellite Suzuki team. Um, yep. They didn't have a huge budget. We didn't have riders that were winning. And the, the amount of testing they put in with sending us different foams, anything we needed, like their attention to detail and then their customer service is, is un, unmatched. So, I mean, I, it went, he's a partner with the facility here and, um, as soon as we, uh, as soon as any of my guys need anything, you know, uh, they shoot it over and, and it's at their doorstep in two days. How about you, Logan? Any, any experience with guts? Yeah. When I was with, uh, Julian who owns the PRMX team, we ran him for a couple of years and yeah, it was always great. He was always, he was always around our pit, you know, asking if we needed anything or yeah. Good yeah. dude though. I don't know. I don't know him very well, but he was always very nice. Yeah. Over. Really good dude. Loves the sports. Check him out. Gutsracing.com for the rib seat covers, Velcro system, Wing seats, uh, phantom light seat foam. Check gutsracing.com out. Sponsor of the Pulp Mix Wrap-Up Show and the Pulp Mix Show. Thanks for supporting. All right, let's let's get into Dylan Ferrandis. Um, I, I want to ask you guys your opinions of Dylan, What whatever you know of him, before we get into this. Logan, I don't know what you know about What was your opinion of Dylan before Monday night? Um, I don't know. He just always seemed kind of quiet and kind of kept to himself, so... Mm-hmm. Hearing that interview, I think kind of, kind of made me think it was, I don't know, real. I don't know, a little more, a little more cool. I don't know. He just always seemed so quiet and to yeah. himself, I guess. And yeah, it kind of opened up, which I thought was cool. And yeah, just a real dude. Okay, that's about what I expected you to say, Greg. How about you, man? Do you have any thoughts on him? Um, going in, I'm a, I've been a Ferrandis fan ever since he showed up here. Okay, because I know I lived in Europe. I know how it is to to go to somewhere that's completely foreign to you. And to have one goal, and uh, it's not easy what he's doing over here. 
Exactly. You're 100% right. So I've had a chance to get to know him a little bit over the last couple of years. Uh, and I hear the a lot. I see the keyboard warrior type stuff, right? The people like, oh, he's rude or he does, you know, whatever. We hate French people, whatever the, whatever the people want to say. Uh, he's too aggressive, blah, blah, blah. But when you talk to him one-on-one, he's very humble, very friendly, loves the sport. And I think, I, well, I know for the last couple of years, he hasn't really wanted to do podcasts. He's been very um, concerned with his the language barrier and how he's, his grasp of the English language. And his wife, Nastasia, has told me that. So whenever I've interviewed him, she's always says he's really nervous. And he finally started doing podcasts. Well, he did one with me a few, like a year ago or nine months ago. And he said it was the first time he'd ever done a podcast. At which point, Steve sent me a screenshot of something he had done with Dylan a couple years ago. And Dylan... Even mentioned money not, he had forgotten about that. But he is getting more comfortable with this. He's becoming more um, in tune with doing that stuff, and the fans are starting to get to see the real Dylan. And I think Monday night, the Pulp fans got a chance to see what a great dude he is. Uh, let's listen to some audio, and then we'll talk about it. Hopefully I play the right audio this time. Congratulations on the summer that you're having right now. It's four races down. There's lots of work to do, but... Dude, you're, you've been amazing. You've got to be so happy with the way things are going right now. Yeah, th- thank you very much. Uh, I'm, I'm the first surprise, you know. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, I guess uh, I work uh, really hard and it paid off. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, every, every race, I'm, I'm the first surprise to be winning or on the podium. So, uh, but it's good. For sure, it's, it's really good. Uh, yeah, I, I work for that uh, since I'm a kid. So, yeah. glad, glad to be here and I really enjoy it. Uh, yeah, my position right now, and it's pretty really amazing. Was Redbud a special win? Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure, Redbud was a special win, special win for us because uh, it's really the, uh, that's the track. That, like, it's the track to, 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 to race in America. It's, it's so famous. And, and uh, also, like I said to my team uh, during lunchtime uh, last Saturday, like, I was remembering when I was a kid, like, watching uh, watching this race, and I was like, oh, I, I really need to go there one day and, and race, race this track. Yeah. And that, that was when I was a kid, you know, and, and I think uh, for every kid in Europe today, that's what they're, they're dreaming to do. It's racing this track because on TV it it's looks so great, and it's great also when you race. But, yeah, it's so, I mean, that's really the one of the best races uh, in the world. Yeah, so, Logan, again – I love the fact that he's humble, right? He He's surprised that he's winning every race, he says. Every time I go out there, I'm surprised. He's a fan of Davies. We heard that in the beginning of, the sh- uh, of his interview. And he clearly loves being here. I mean, he's he's not like a foreigner that's over here and, and is shitting on the country or shitting on the fans. He loves being here, and he's respectful. And I think people got a chance, a lot of people got a chance to hear that Monday night. Yeah, I agree. I mean... He just he he really like I said he opened up and I feel like he just seems like a good dude like mm-hmm. and I tell you what how shitty it is he still said a lot of people are giving him shit about the whole fr- like French thing he said like he said he didn't he say ten people out of all the people at Redbud still said something about him yeah he said he saw uh, there's uh, some people yeah I don't remember what the number was but so yeah shitty. there's still that people- shit just pisses me off like come on grow yeah. up. Yeah, after the uh, – I'm trying to remember when it was. I think, uh, hang on. I think 2018 maybe I was talking to him, and it was after Marvin took out Eli at uh, – was that Atlanta I think that was in the corner? 
Anyway. Uh, yeah, wherever. Anyway, um, there, there was a lot of booing, and then Dylan had gotten a lot of booing on some stuff, and I talked to him and, and Marvin, and, like, they just didn't even understand, like, why everybody was being so hateful. I was like, dude, they used to do this to John Michelle Bale. They did this to David Villeman at times. It's just it just sucks that you have to deal with this, and they were really kind of surprised, Greg, but, uh, I mean, it, I think it's, I do think what Steve said, it's coming around. Yeah, I don't look at it so much of a negative thing, and Dylan even made mention, like, if he was rooting for a sports team, you know, like uh, you're talking about football hooligans in Europe and you're talking about stuff like that. Like it, I think it brings, um, it, it's passion in a sport. And, and even though it's the wrong way, like if we, if, if we're going to grow the sport and the sport's going to grow, you're going to have those types of fans. And I think that's okay. As long as, you know, th- these are kids and Dylan's getting older. And, and like I said, he made that reference. Uh, he, so he, he's aware of that. So to go to Redbone and Fourth of July weekend and only 10 dudes from, uh, you know, central, you know, United States, you know, America, yeah. but only yell that I think that's a fantastic number as far as uh, I'm surprised it wasn't more. And, and if it was more then you just got to chalk it up and, and, and do like, here, that's, that's your dude, you know, like these are, we're, we're a professional sport. So in any other sport, that's, that's normal. We just have to accept that. It sucks. Yeah. Um, for those guys, but as soon as they if they don't take it personal and they understand that the people like us and the people that listen to this show, the true fans of the sport, um, they like the guy. I think. Yeah, well, he he touched on that on Monday night also that like he kind of understands and he thinks that if an American had come over to France and did that, he'd probably do the same thing. So, yeah. again, kind of ingratiating himself. I mean, I, I get it. Like you know, he's he's accepting it, and I think it was great. Now. We talked about the leap a little while ago, Greg. You had something you wanted to bring up. Yeah, big time fan of Dylan, except for in this interview. Steve goes, so what, what gear do you hit the, the leap in? Like fourth? And then first first off, Steve, he, he's got a blue crew. He, he preaches a blue crew. He's been riding. Come on, you know what gear you hit that thing in. It's, it's third gear. Okay, I ride four fifties. And I go through this with my kids. And I literally, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm listening to this, and I'm, I'm like beating my head up against the steering wheel of the tractor listening to this morning going, he just said he doesn't know what gear. He never knows what gear he's in. Yeah. It's a 450. There's basically two gears on that bike. You know if you hit warp speed fourth gear. Um, <laughs> other than that, like you know, you're not talking about a 65 where you got to go second to sixth and every you know. And come on, guy, like don't don't play like you don't know what gear you're in. All right. Okay. Fair enough. I, I, Greg had a little bit of a race tech rant there, Logan. I agree, dude. I mean, I've heard multiple people actually say, like, I'll ask somebody, like, what gear they'll hit, like, a triple or something. I'm like, yeah, I'm not real sure. I'm like, dude, how the hell? You're either, especially on a supercross track, I mean, even a motocross track, like, it's a 450, you're either in second or third for the most part. Like, like you said, if you hit fourth, dude, you're, <laughs> you're fucking home. <hauling> <laughs> right, right. And Logan, like, right, they say, oh, and then they kind of make this feel stupid. Oh, well, I don't, t- I don't count gears. I just go with the power guy. Like, you got to count gears. Like, like I, I made the, the mention of, like, Stick, I'll look the other way. You stick that bike in one gear, give it to me with a clutch in, and let me ride it around for, for 50 feet. I'll tell you exactly what gear it is based on. Like, dude, you just know your motorcycle. Like, it ain't about, oh, yeah, you tell gears. Like, oh, I just ride it. Fast. No, you don't. You're an idiot. Like, know your bike, or don't lie about it. <laughs> know your bike. <laughs> I like it. Uh, one thing that made me laugh, and this isn't anything important, but when Dylan was talking about the goat farm, he said, like, yeah, we're out here in the middle of the forest, and... <laughs> 
I was watching on YouTube and Davey and Steve looked at each other, kind of just giggled a little bit. But I, I love the th- fact that he thinks, you know, it's it's the middle of the forest that, uh, I don't know, just made me laugh. I don't know if anybody else thought that was funny. That, but. Yeah, they just chalked up the language barrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he had a bigger vocabulary in that, he, he would. He would know. Oh shit! I made, I made a mistake there, but right. that's cool, man. His interview was awesome. He goes back a lot of information. In interview. The only thing on this is like, I wish. I hope we get to that point where, um, because Davey and and Steve had, had had made some comments and they were laughing. And it, I, 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 at times in the interview, I was laughing at those guys because, and you could hear them laughing in the background, but you you didn't hear anything out of Dylan because, um. I don't, especially sarcasm doesn't exist over there. The humor and the sarcasm is, is completely different. So, yeah, good um, point. I, that's what I missed when I was living over there. I'm like, man, people in Belgium knew English, great English. People in France, you know, the younger they are, they, the more they study English. So, the language barrier wasn't bad. I just missed like humor. And maybe Dylan will get to that point where um, he, he adopts it so well that uh, he, he can get, get to that point where he can be, um, you know, sarcastic or, or, or have a little bit more humor. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Logan, so we talked about you being in a studio, uh, I don't know, a month ago or so. What was, uh, give me a couple of things that maybe you were really intrigued by while being in a studio or that were, uh, surprising kind of give us some background or some, you know, behind the scenes stuff. Oh yeah, dude. It was an awesome experience. Like, I mean, Steve freaking spoiled the shit out of me and Cheyenne. Like he really did. He, he, he really helped us out a lot more than I thought he was going to. So, I mean, that was, that was pretty cool. And, uh, I touched James Stewart's Red Bull helmet. That was pretty cool. <laughs> I was freaking fired up about that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, dude, I was just freaking in shock, like walking around his whole studio, just checking out. I mean, all the history in there. Is, I mean, that was probably the coolest thing. Like even like mid show, I'm just looking around. I'm like, Damn, this is pretty cool. It's overwhelming, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. What a about lot of cool shit in there? What about the um just the logistics of the show, like everything that's going on between marks. And I don't remember if tits or Talon was in that night, but the communication, the, the taking the calls, the drops, uh, the, the notes beforehand, the, the, whatever Steve's, you know, the, um, the prep for the show. I don't know that people realize how much goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot. I mean, but I mean, by the time we got there, we got there about 20 minutes before the show started and they pretty much had everything ready to go. But I mean, like during the show, I mean, it's all it's all pretty lax. Like, I mean, we're all just kind of kicked back and having a couple of drinks, and it's a lot more chill than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a little more like hustle bustle, but oh, yeah. I, I didn't feel I did not feel that at all. Like, we just had fun with it. Nice, and it, and it went so fast. Oh like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think we had one of the longest shows. It was like five hours and twenty minutes, maybe. Yep, yep it was long. And we, yeah, and we, were, me and Cheyenne, we were like, that's it. Yeah, I was, I was up like, until dude, almost it's, one a.m. Like ten thirty. Yeah, I'm like, holy shit! Yeah, it blew by. Yeah, Greg, uh, you have not been in studio, correct? I I co-hosted the show five years ago, maybe. I, it's been a long time. Okay, I, I guess I don't remember that. Okay, what about you then? What uh, do you What do you remember from being in studio? Well, I mean, it is is new place. Um, it looks a lot better. Um, yeah, I just remember dogs, <clears throat> dogs, and uh, yeah, just. Uh, I don't know. It was one of those deals where we, you know, super guy. It, it was it was a good show. I think um, there was a lot of there was a lot of people on that night that I was there um, because of the uh, the supercross, right? So a bunch of like hanger owners and uh, uh, okay, like myself. And hey, I was I was pretty. Uh, I was I think I was really hungover. Um, <laughs> and then as I started drinking a little bit, it it kind of loosened it up. Um, but yeah, I uh, yeah, it, it just it, it is it is it's just a very cool. Um, 
very organic. Um, it, it's just very organic in the sense of like what comes up. Um, you know, I know Steve's driving it and he, he's got a plan, but he's got the sense of, I mean, how he comes off and how he makes the co-host feel like just super organic con. That's why the content's so good. It's, yep. it's unbelievable. Agreed. Uh, Hey Logan, we were talking before the show started. You, uh, you did some training today. What'd you do? Shit, dude. I went for a 15 mile road bike ride. Like I was telling you on the show did a little bit ago, I was like, yeah, I've, I've been on a little bit of a bender here these last couple months, you know, enjoying summer. I'm not racing outdoors. So yeah, it was a uh, hot ray was through the roof. Uh, I might need to come see you soon there, Greg. <laughs> yeah, I'm, ho- I'm hoping for, I'm hoping to see him and I'm, I need to get my reality show going with uh, him and Harmon. So, oh yeah, no I doubt. Yeah. That'd be sick. I, 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 I trained Harmon, I trained Harmon for like, two, the two months leading up into, you know, I think the only 450 supercrosses he's ever made. Um, he, he went two for, for the first five after not qualifying, but, uh, I kind of figured out how to work with Cheyenne. And I think, uh, I think Logan's kind of, I've worked with Logan a couple times, just him coming up. Uh, so I kind of got it figured out, I think about their personality. So I just yeah. love to just have them here to, to have a good, good time. And, and honestly, to kind of keep, uh, just put some light under, uh, under grant because grants on the opposite end of those two he's, he's mr uh mr serious which is is which i try to make everyone be but uh i mean i think having a little bit of fun goes back into the like steve or davy was talking about like uh your mental state has a lot to do with your results too so finding that balance on not everybody can can, can train that hard and and maintain that same uh same drive you know they, they burn themselves out just because somebody else can do it doesn't mean you can do it without getting burned out so Exactly. And you always think you're working as hard as you can work until somebody opens your eyes. If you tell somebody that's working as hard as they've ever worked that you're not working hard, they're like, screw you. I'm working as hard as I've ever worked. But it takes watching somebody else do it. And I think that's where like a Ray was like with Davey is seeing like, Oh my God, like I was working as hard as I've ever worked, but it still ain't freaking close to as hard as I need to work. Mm. Yeah. Dropping the knowledge. I like it. Uh, well, Logan, when you were on that bicycle ride, what would have made things easier is Michelin bicycle tires. Thank for thanking those guys for being on board with the wrap up show. Uh, whether you're racing mountain bikes and use the wild enduro, the E wild or the jet XCR or on the road and using the power road series, Michelin bikes, Michelin bicycle tires has you covered. Visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products. And as Randy had mentioned a while back, they, I believe they are still in, um, trial of some bmx tires so if you guys ride bmx hopefully there'll Ooh. be some michelin bmx tires coming soon oh yeah yeah Sick. i got um, i got a big old bmx background so oh yeah awesome. that's right we talked about it well, oh, yeah. well I, I'll, I'll see if i can get you hooked up i actually have a set but i haven't even rode on a bmx track with them yet i've got a set the of the uh the prototype so we'll talk about that but hey um cool. let's let's go into <laughs> filthy phil nicoletti Poor guy, man. Knee injury, possibly out. We don't really know yet. Even less happy than normal, Greg. But he still came on the show. And I want to start with his story of training with uh, Dorenzo at Trace Place. And we're going to definitely get your thoughts on this. I do have I have a pretty funny story. Because there's always like hardcore workouts. You know, circuit training, you know, in sweatpants and sweatshirts. Sweating our balls off, basically. Uh, and at that point in time, I was a rookie. I needed the uh, the suffer factor. Suffer factor. I like. I had to learn how to like break through the barriers, you know. And Shawnee it gets super fucking hot. So and Trey, his driveway was like I don't know three quarters of a fucking mile long. So 
and we just got done with this gnarly circuit workout for like 45 minutes after a day of doing 235s and the stroking, you know, stroking our balls off out in the heat. He's like, all right, I want you guys to run down to the mailbox to run back. So, and I'm, he's like, it's a sprint, so we're going to time. So me and Jimmy and Trey, we go balls to the wall. He's like, you know, I need to check the mail too when you're down there. So we go down there and check it. Boom, and we run back up. And honestly, Jimmy's fucking puking at this point in time. So we get up there and we're sitting around and all of a sudden, Greg's like, guy, do you guys check the mailbox? And Trey's just like, yeah, yeah, we checked the mailbox. And he's just like, you sure we checked the mailbox? And I'm like, yeah, we checked the fucking mailbox, dude. And he's just like, yeah, no, I don't think he did. Go check the fucking mailbox again. Jeez. And it, yeah, made us run down there, sprint down there and get in. By that time, all three of us were puking. Took me out of the being a bitch factor for sure. So, right, right. Um, when? Yeah. All right, Greg. Uh, for people that don't know, you now own Trace Old Place. Uh, I think you were there that day. Let's uh, let's get your side of this. Well, no, I I never owned Trace Old Place. I, I, I'm I'm South Oklahoma City now. I'm for oh, South. okay, I, okay. I, I I leased the tracks after he sold it from the owner that bought it, but I'm I got you. I'm not there any longer. But yeah, that day we were there, and um, yeah, there's something to be saying. Like Davey said it, and uh, uh, Phil said it about suffering. Like there's something that she said. It sometimes it's not. Who's who's in shape the best, but who can suffer the most? Push pushing. So, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of that mental stuff. Like uh, you think you're done, and then you know, oh uh, hey, you, you know, you push you push so hard to this finish line, right? That you think you have, and then you say, oh well, no, just kidding. Like there's more, and then just to see, like you know, to kind of see that reaction and feel that day. I remember seeing them. They would work out with like uh, um, mouthpieces where you could only breathe out like a small hole. So like spit was slinging around that gym all the time. It was just <laughs> disgusting. They would work out in sweats. Like, I mean, it was, it was gnarly stuff. And I remember Phil that day, like Jimmy and Trey, like Jimmy piggybacked off Trey's, you know, paying them. That was cool that they, that they let him do that. Like Greg did, but, uh, and Trey, but man, like the workouts were gnarly. And I remember Phil had just like showed up. He'd only been there for like two weeks and they went into that. And like Jimmy knew the drill. They came up and he said, check the mail. And they, you know, they came back and he said, do you, you know, there's nothing in there. And, and he goes, well, I think you didn't check it good enough. And then and uh, immediately Jimmy and, and, and Jimmy was probably puking. Yeah. But, um, immediately they turn around and head back and Phil's just sitting there looking, going, I swear I looked, I, there's nothing in there. Like he's still <laughs> arguing. Like he didn't understand the point. It was like, yeah, he's going to run back to the mailbox. And he was, he was going to tell her, we looked. He was arguing. And I just remember that. And then Greg was like, just, just fail. Just go back to the mailbox. I don't. I think you missed the point. <laughs> That's great, uh, Logan. Do you still want to go train out there in Shawnee? I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get a, a segue. Yeah, that pretty gnarly. <laughs> okay. Hey. Uh, so, well, Phil. I, I love Phil coming on. I have to assume you guys do, Logan. Uh, even, I hope he continues to come on. I know he's under contract, but if you know if he doesn't race any more nationals and he tries to get out of it, I hope he just sticks, keeps coming on. Cause it's fucking funny every week. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, when I was on the show with him, yeah. we talked a little bit. He, uh, I actually called him a dick. I always thought he was a dick, which <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. he is a dick. He is a dick, but I like his interviews are so good and they're so real. And like, I feel like we would get along a lot better now than we used to. I used to be like a little baby back in the day, but yeah, I, I mean, I hope he keeps coming on. Every time he comes on, I mean, it's a good interview, well, really good interview. You guys want to hear a little montage of Phil? Let's, Let's hear it. do it. Here we go. I like Koi. 
<laughs> so do I. I wouldn't go as far as calling them great, but yeah. Good <laughs> thing I don't get paid a lot. I just, you know, slip out of here under the radar. See yeah. you guys. See you next weekend. You can carwheel over the bars, get up, and you're totally fine. And right. the dumbest, dumbest little thing just takes you down. Uh, I could give a shit about fantasy, but yeah, know, Mr. Scott's look, I really like him, or else I would have breached his contract a while ago. So I'm about to say, fuck it, man. I was already regretting 8.30 tonight after you texted me. I'm like, fuck. You know? I could care less about the Nationals anymore now. You got to pay the toll to rock and roll, and that's what the fuck happened. So his Knicks cleaned me the fuck out of Montreal Supercross so bad. You know, stroking our balls off out in the heat. I'm like, yeah, we checked the fucking mailbox, dude. He took me out of the being a bitch factor for sure racer x thank you about time being in a racer x employee paid off all i know is phil mcclady's numbers were nowhere fucking close anyway <laughs> well phil you also <laughs> didn't win races no offense oh but, but fuck me man at least you know, knock a zero off there i'm still not close <laughs> yeah great <laughs> motorsport.com and stop using that fucking picture on your story <laughs> Fuck me, man. Okay, I'm sorry. I will, I'll stop. If it really upsets you, let's, I'll stop. Ah, yeah, it just brings back fucking flashbacks of me not remembering something. I'm going to be blocking Steve here soon. I, tr- uh, I, I don't want to kick a dog when he's down, so I'll stop it. Since when? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, come well, on. Well, if it's funny, I will. Yeah. Oh, God, just gold. Every week he's on, I get like three or four minutes of just great audio. So please keep coming on, Phil. Uh, he will. He's, he's old school. He's a, he, if he said he's going to do something, he's old school. He's going to do it. He, yeah. He's got to kind of, yeah, he, he ain't going nowhere. <laughs> Good to hear. Uh, last guest of the night was Carson Mumford, who just a couple years ago, Steve didn't even care about as an amateur. But Steve says he was uh, a, the rider doing the uh, the best that no one was talking about, which I kind of agree with. I've really been paying attention to Carson because I, I, I've kind of become buddies with him a few years ago, and I like the kid. A lot of that interview you heard like a week ago when I did it, but, you know, Steve did an okay job with it. Um, what are your thoughts on Mumford, Logan? Have you got a chance to get to know him at all? No, I don't know him at all. I mean, I mean, he seems like a good kid, though. I mean, sounds seems like he worked hard. And, I mean, for being on a privateer team, I mean, he's got to be doing one of the best out of, you know, the non-factory guys, right? I mean, he's, do, than, he's, uh, he's not doing what was working. expected, and I think that's got to be pretty difficult for him. You know, he there was a lot of hype for him. And really hasn't uh, lived up to that just yet, but I think he's getting things figured out. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like it's got to be so hard. I mean, I'm sure he's on a great bike, but I'm sure it's no factory bike. Um, I mean, shit, dude, top 10, 11, 12 guys in points are, are pretty gnarly dudes. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, to, even to be at the tail end of that, is, I feel like it's pretty impressive for him right now. Yeah. Greg, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, for, for that, you know, privateer bike, especially a privateer Honda, to be doing well, um, those bikes aren't, like I said, Steve or somebody was saying in the show, I mean, that, that the, the bike out of the crate is not the best motor. Um, right, and right. then to try to compete with those guys um, in the 250 class is, is just crazy. And honestly, I feel like if you're on a star bike and you're, I mean, if you're a decent rider and you're on a star bike, it's got, things got to put you in. The, if you're in shape and you're a decent rider, that star bike puts you in the top 10. How many, are, how many of those are on the track? <laughs> like right? six. Right. And then you've got the, yeah. the, 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 you know, world travel, you know, European slash, uh, now supercross sensation, Jet Lawrence and Hunter Lawrence, but and those, those dudes. And like you, if you look at that top 10 in that class, yeah. based on the, based on the, not, I mean, the talents there, but like the bikes, like the bike makes such a big difference in that class. Like, 
I, I got a rider out in the nationals trying to compete on, on, on a privateer bike. Um, and, and he's got a good privateer bike at that. But like, you look at those other bikes that you have to compete against. And then there's a reason they put those guys on those bikes. I mean, good luck. So if he's, if he can break the top 10 on that bike, um, kudos, but Carson's one of those kids that I don't know much about. Um, he kind of happened in that transition for me going from the pros back to amateurs and doing the coaching. Like he was in that transition phase for me at, at his exit at Loretta's. So I, I didn't, I think I saw him his last year at Loretta's. And again, all I heard was about Mumford on little bikes. I never seen it. Um, but then when I got, and I was able to watch him on the big bike, I just, it, it was a bit lackluster. So it's cool to kind of see if he is, uh, you know, kind of finding his wings again and kind of finding his flow and, and getting back to where, you know, he, he should have been based on his contracts that he earned from a, a very early age. Yeah. And I think that that's him changing from, uh, from Bud man to Davey. And it wasn't anything personal. It was just like, he needed a change, try something different to see maybe something's not working. So I think he's headed in the right direction mentally. Uh, those things, you know, like you just talked about not being inside the top 10, it's, it, he's probably not looking at what you just said that, Oh, well, there's all these amazing riders on amazing bikes in front of me. He's just looking at like, I am expected to do better and I'm not, uh, you know, I saw it in Supercross in Arlington after a race where I came out and it was him and Hartraft and Cade and they were just all beating themselves up like, oh, we suck. Oh, we're terrible. I'm like, fuck, dude, you guys, first of all, you're racing dirt bikes for a living, you know, like you could go shovel asphalt with me if you'd rather, but uh, there's some mental things going on that I hope Davey's going to take care of and, and Davey kind of talked about it a little bit. Does most yeah. coaching clinic not cover starts? Is that extra money? I don't know. I thought that it, they just came with the neck donut. Okay. <laughs> apparently they don't. <laughs> He's so young, and there's a, there's so much talent that he doesn't even know he has. And, you know, you see the bike skills that he, he – you can see the bike skills and what he can do when he's told to do it. Mm-hmm. So you know it's there. Yeah. We basically make him or get him to believe in himself like what people around him do more than anything mental than than anything right. he has the he has endurance he can he can go the full moto you know he can he can do any kind of lap i put in front of him except for a 40 minute moto um <laughs> <laughs> but that extra two laps kills him um, every time but getting him to believe that he can beat those guys and that he can be up there with those guys face like he's going to be dangerous when 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 he decides to flip that switch and everything's working right he's going to be dangerous you only get a couple of chances at this stuff so you might as well uh suffer it out while you can i always tell people like and young racers are like like i'm i work hard i do bicycle yeah. rides I, I i ride a lot right and you think you're in good shape like you 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 just think you are because you are working hard compared to a you know yeah guy like me or a guy like in the guy in the corner or whatever we're in shape compared to you yes right but when you get the really elite motocrossers yeah. when you see what they do you're like that's another level that right carson that's another yeah it, level. it consumes everything yes yeah, so the theme continues tonight. We've been talking about this all night long. Uh, mental and training and being in shape, Greg. I mean, it's just it's going to take some time, but it sounds like Carson, as we said, is headed in the right direction, and maybe we'll maybe we'll see something different. Yeah, I think it's got to be a growth. I think yeah. he's been. I mean, he's always had that. Like, I mean, he has the Mumford Land or what? Like, he's had every advantage. Thrown. I mean, he's had a factory ride from a long, young age. Believe me, he's had plenty of people in his corner. It's. I think it's just going to be him maturing. I don't think it's going to necessarily be this guy or that guy because he's always had access to more than any of his competition. Mm-hmm. You know, from you get on that as a young age. So I think it's just going to be a maturity factor. And 
you know, Davey's there now. So that'll be good for him because like you, you said, well, you know, he's not looking at the people in front of him and, you know, you know, but he shouldn't, he should be pissed. He's not outside of the top 10. It, it, it should be Davey's job or somebody's job to kind of say, okay, Hey, we're on the right track. Look at these. But as a racer, you can't make excuses for yourself. You know, it, it should be somebody else saying, okay, Hey, let's take the positives for this. But yeah, damn right. He should be for who he is. He should be pissed. He's not in the top 10. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think he is, but I think I kind of feel like he at, leading into this season, I think he was a little down, you know, even in the first couple of races, but I think that that mental side seems to be turning around Logan. And um, I, I just liked him on the show. He's, he's a longtime fan of the pulp show. Uh, even as an amateur, he listened and, I think that's kind of at some point before he went pro when Steve found out Carson listened, that was the first amateur that was Steve's like, okay, I like that kid because he's a fan. But yeah, so it was cool having him on as a fan. And um, I look forward to some of these other amateur kids like Ryder D, who is a big Pulp fan. As they go pro and they come on, I think there's going to be a lot of fun conversations there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think overall, I think Carson should be happy with the season so far. Um, obviously, at had a pretty kind of struggled in the supercross so i mean to come out and get a couple top tens and outdoors on you know non-factory bike i think is super fair i mean yeah but uh what's up with the neck donut or the helmet donut what is the purpose of that does anybody know why carson's running it yeah just, i know it's because of davy but yeah, why what, just as a tribute to davy he found it at davy's and he just thought it'd be fun and he, he so well you know what go listen to the moto x pod show with him and he explains it you know what yeah i'm not even gonna tell you all right, all right. Yeah, you should fair. listen. You should be listening to my show too. Damn it, <laughs> I do. I do sometimes. Well, I interviewed him two sometimes. weeks ago, and he talked about it, so he explained. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, so let's move on. Motorsport.com. Uh, those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride. Only at motorsport.com. Uh, motorsport.com tweet at Talon. Had a few, a uh, couple topics I want to touch on. We're about to wrap this thing up. Uh, has Forkner's window closed, Greg? Davey says no, but he, he needs to stay. They say they needs to stay down in the 250s because there has been some discussion of him going to the 450s, and uh, he has to win. That's, that's Davey's opinion. What do you think? Uh, man, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm actually kind of close to that, that, that whole situation, not extremely close, yeah. but, uh, I just, I'm, I don't know. And I, I don't really, I mean, I, I know kind of what everybody else knows at this time. Um, Steve, they made a lot of points on there about, uh, you know, maybe uh, distractions. I don't even know if it's so much distractions uh, and it could be, um, but, um, I don't know. There's always that time, time in the career where, um, people make changes, um, Trey went through um, a year uh, where he made some big changes. Um, every every kid makes that transition. Some kids make it earlier and, and later. And it's, uh, I, I, like I said, I, I don't know that it's that, but I'm, I'm being super vague here. Yeah, I guess. it's okay. Um, but there's there's the internal thing of, of when you go from from handling all your own business, basically. You know what I mean? Like when you're a kid, um, mom and dad handle everything and then you make, and I don't, I love Austin's parents. But, oh yeah. I don't, and I don't know that any of this is happening. I'm just, this is speculation just based on the public show. Um, yep. but I do know like 
when um, your your mom or your dad's, you know, maybe you're making the money, but somebody else is writing the checks or this or that, and then you go and then there's significant others, and and maybe you switch duties over to. Them. I I just don't. There's there's so much that I have no idea about, but I just know there's that switch from, um, hey, mom and dad help me with everything, and then okay, kind of you just lose it's just growing up everybody goes through that phase where mom and dad kind of helps you with everything and then you kind of just say okay i'm a, I'm a grown up and and i think maybe he's at that point i, I and i guess like it's complete speculation I, I don't i have no idea logan what do you think about austin i mean it, i i do feel like he and he feels this way he has to win yeah i mean it's got to be tough i mean a couple years ago he was the most dominant guy in supercross right and then mm-hmm. to kind of I mean, obviously, he's had a lot of injuries and everything, but still, I mean, to have all those highs and to now just barely being a top 10 guy on, I mean, Mitch's team, and I mean, I'm sure he gets paid pretty well. I'm sure he's probably the highest paid guy on that team. Um, <clears throat> yeah, dude, I don't know. It's just got to be frustrating. I mean, I agree with a lot of what Greg just said. Maybe, maybe it's just time for a change. Yeah, I mean, I, with Steve said as well. I, I asked him, like, you know, I, I know he's – tight with the Rainers. He's been there a long time. Have you considered um, making a change? And he, right now, he he's not. He, he's comfortable there. He, he feels like they're family. Um, but, you know, maybe that's – maybe that's – we always talk about it. Sometimes change is good, and maybe that's something he needs. Uh, you know, only the future will tell, I guess, and we'll see what he does. But, yeah, it's – time is running out, though. I mean, that's, that's, that's just the way it is. There's other guys coming up, and there's not that many spots that are always available in the 450 class. He's got to have to figure something out. Um, yeah, I don't think, I, I don't really don't think where he trains has anything to do with it. I think he does, he does, they do a great job over there. Yeah. Um, I, I, he's very injury ridden. Um, yep. Yep. and he has, you know, he, he survived. I mean, he's had some crashes like we saw in the leap, but, uh, he survived. So, um, uh, let's, let's get, a, let's get a full outdoor season under his belt and, and give him a full year to prepare going into supercross. Um, and and then I think um, then, then you can start to speculate on that um, injury free unless you want to speculate the injuries are coming because of, of where he's training. But I, I think that's ludicrous. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely not. Um, okay, hey, Steve brought up Davey at JGR and Stu coming over. I found this really interesting because I wasn't in the quote unquote industry at all at that time, and I'm pretty sure I never read any of this stuff in Racer Extra Trans World. So this was really cool. They made a big change in twelve for James. And I didn't get it until he left. I mean, he broke the fridge. He broke the headset. He broke uh, cabinets on me. Like, really? Oh, yeah. But James had all this oh, high-dollar oh, yeah, stuff, yeah. and I had none of it. And then as I started to do better, James wasn't doing any better. Right. And they started switching the stuff over to my bike. It was a bad year because I took a massive pay cut because he came to the team. Oh, really? He cut my pay so bad because of James, right. and then James ended up leaving. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't get a raise. And Phil, you know? when he says he took a pay cut, like I'm in my mind, like uh, he's still making four hundred thousand dollars a year. Ha! Stop it. That's not, what. Not thanks, e- thanks, Phil. Thank not, e- not even close. I was just over, just over a hundred. What? Uh huh. But was there ever a point where you thought this is really going to work? This yeah, is, because this I, is gonna crush with him it? coming on, you know, he has power. Yeah. And Koi doesn't it, – it's his way. 
and you know his way or the highway. Yep. And with James coming on, it wasn't going to be that way that much. Right. And with James, it's then, James's way or the and, highway. But then to come to find out, it was James's way for James, but Coy's way for Davey. When I got all his stuff, like I'm like, yeah, this bike's way better now for sure. It was for what he had accomplished with it. Yep. But it was still one of those things that I was right. I mean, I, I was basically doing it for almost free. Logan, I, I dug this, man, because like I didn't know any of this stuff, right? I didn't I'd never heard any of these stories before. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I love I love that shit. Like I love hearing all like the ins and out of kind of what the teams are doing for each riders and Yeah. Pretty pretty cool to hear. And I, I thought it was pretty funny that he said he went up and shook Coy's hand after he got second in the championship for he was making about like what one hundred fifty thousand dollars or whatever. That, that was, that was pretty funny. He says he says just over a hundred though, one hundred fifty thousand, and then it comes out one hundred fifty thousand. If I'm saying yeah. I'm just making over a hundred, Logan, imagine you're talking to a chick, just you haven't seen her yet, and she goes, "Oh, I'm just over one hundred thirty thirty pounds," and then she shows up and she's one sixty five. Like that's <laughs> that's, that's a big that's a bro. big difference like, for me. That's a big difference. So I, that kind of got, <laughs> I was just thinking like, oh, one, just a little over a hundred. Yeah. Maybe one fifteen. Like that's a little over a hundred. Not one, not half <laughs> that's, over. Yeah, exactly. That's that puts a lot. it in perspective right there. That's Holy funny. Shit. Oh my God. That was great. Well, I, I enjoy stuff like that too. I think that's another reason we listen to pulp guys. Um, okay. So last two things I want to touch on, uh, my, I called in, and the guy that was a caller was on, I think, while well, I was on hold, and he brought me in about the Zoom backgrounds. I don't know if you guys watch. I'm sure you don't, Greg, but the, the press conferences and the Zoom calls, look, I, I he, the guy wasn't completely wrong. The little backgrounds, whatever, they, I don't know what they're called exactly, but they're, they don't look great. But having mm-hmm. our, show, our show logo and our sponsors behind us, I don't know, man. I thought it was kind of professional. I think it looks good. I've gotten it fixed, actually. I've got a better one. So whoever that guy was, hopefully you'll be happy on the next one. It should look better. But uh, in the past, before I had that logo, it was just me in the studio with, like, all the jerseys hanging in the background or whatever, you know. And and I don't know. That doesn't look as professional to me as having who you're with behind you. Um, Logan, do you ever watch press conferences? Can you even comment on this? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I actually watched this last one before I even listened to the show. Okay. I think it can suck you. So mine did kind of suck because I, <clears throat> this, it's just for me that week, I had bad Wi Fi where I'm staying. But like Nick and Trent from Moto Limited, they always have their logos behind them and it looks clean. It looks professional. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, a lot of people watch the press conferences, right? If they get the, a few people your way, I mean, why not do it? Yeah, because there's a couple other people that just have like their house in the background or whatever, their living room or whatever. And that doesn't look like I don't think that looks good for the sport, Greg. I mean, you may not know what we're talking about, but I'm sure you can kind of wrap your brain around it. Yeah, I got an idea. Hey, what I didn't like, but you were like, oh, I did it because Feld said they liked it or whatever. And I get, I get that. But like, if we know anything from the Pulp Max show, like if Steve has not taught you anything, it's like not giving a fuck and doing things how you want to do them. Yeah. And that's what's going to that like do what's you like that's that's if, if pulp max has taught us anything like what's going to be successful is is and now if you're a slob okay then that's not you can't do that but if you you know come up with something that you like or that's, that's just say oh well these guys tell me they like it so i need to copy this you know that's that's uh, not the best recipe for success fair point i'll take that into consideration greg fair point um all right last thing there was a caller that called in and mentioned to Steve that Kevin Windham had 
mentioned Nets, and this caller, I listened to his call three or four times, and he said it was about four or five episodes after Paul Lindsay left. I think he said Paul was on the phone. Wyndham called in. This guy called in to talk about Grant Langston going over the tough blocks and landing on the concrete, and the Nets got brought up. I listened to three episodes in that time frame that Wyndham was on. I could not find this audio. I was hoping I could so that I could, you know, prove like say that Steve did not bring up the Nets just to fuck with him, but I couldn't find it. So if anybody else has it, knows where it's at, hit me up, uh, darkside at pulpmx.com. Other than that, guys, I think that's a wrap for this show for 270. Greg, anything else that stood out that you want to touch on? Uh, man, I, I told you right off the rip, it was the, it was the gear thing and, uh, what gear you, he hit the rocker's leap in and, I beat that one down. So no, I, I, I got, I got nothing. That's still all I can think about, honestly. Okay. All right. Uh, how about you, uh, Logan? Anything else? Um, you want to talk about me going in, into the net anymore or are we done with that? I mean, that was pretty great. I, I mean, <laughs> thank God you didn't, you know, kill anybody or, you know, Jesus, was it what AP was right there, right? <clears throat> oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hey. Yeah. I think it saved his life for sure. Yeah. No, they- I was just kidding. No, I, I've freaking talked enough about it. It, look, shit. it's a it's a great idea, and Steve's right. They need more. They should bring more in. There's no probably a pretty small expense overall. So let's get some more of those. But I hate giving him credit for anything sometimes. <laughs> uh, okay, well, hey, Greg Logan, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, if anybody has questions, comments, complaints, anything to contribute for Hello Pookie, hit me up darkside at pulpmx.com. Once again, I want to thank Motorsport.com, Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers. All the other sponsors of the Pulpamex Empire, go to sponsor deals on pulpamexshow.com. Click on it. Use the discount codes. Use the links. Support the sponsors. Support the people that help us out. Keep these things going. Uh, Greg, Logan, thanks, man. That's a wrap. All right. Thank you. All right. Yep. Later, boys. See you, guys. We're out. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show? Say